it certainly is helpful if they're opting into it versus you sending something saying, oh, hey, how you doing? Did you have a great weekend? It's like, shut up. You don't really care about their weekend. Like, what's the real point of your email? Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. And this is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. Normally what we do is interview a best ever guest. They give us the best ever advice and we learn and soak up that knowledge. But today is Friday. We do a special segment on Fridays called Follow Along Friday where I talk about the entrepreneurial ventures and the real estate ventures that I've got going on and the lessons that I'm learning along the way. With us today, as usual, we've got the co-author of the best real estate investing advice ever book, volume one, and soon to be volume two. How you doing, Theo Hicks? I'm doing good, Joe. Thanks for asking. And I'm looking forward to diving into what you got going on this week. That's right. Well, it's been a very busy last couple weeks. And one thing that came up is that I got a call late last week and it was from someone who I've known for about two to three years. And he mentioned he has an off-market deal. If we close on, it'd be the largest deal that we have done to date. And so far, the largest is 320 units, just to give you an idea of the size of the property. This morning, he sent over the financials and my business partner and I are in the beginning process of underwriting that and uh, seeing what we can do with it. And I, I can't share really anything else other than that information because of the privacy and just it being an off-market deal. But one thing that the takeaway I got from just this experience so far is This business takes time for relationships to develop. And the important thing is to be in a position to pounce on those opportunities when they're presented. And if I had gotten this email or this voicemail rather from this gentleman about two years ago or maybe even a a year ago, I wouldn't have had the confidence to say we could close on a deal of this size. But now I do. It would be a stretch, but I have the confidence in our resourcefulness as the company to make it happen if it makes sense. So it takes time and we've got to be able to pounce on opportunities when we're presented. So we have to make sure we position ourselves well. That's the takeaway I got from it. 
Is this an individual that you've been in contact with frequently? or Because you said you've known him for two to three years, and I'm just curious if this is a relationship that you've had to kind of stay on top of or someone that you had met before and they just kind of remembered you either through your podcast or through giving them a free book. It's a stronger relationship than just interviewing them on the podcast and that's it and staying in touch. It was a relationship where I got introduced to this person through a mutual friend a while ago and we were working on a deal for quite some time that didn't pan out and we got to know each other fairly well, met in person multiple times and then have stayed in touch. Now I haven't spoken to him in about a year, but we were in touch very frequently over probably 18 months period of time. And then once that deal didn't happen, we didn't stay in touch, but it's a stronger relationship than what would be typical. Cool. Yeah. This is the reason, reason I asked is because at least for me personally, <laughs> I always thought that when you form these relationships with people, you have to like, it's like, Oh, do I have to email them every single week or what am I supposed to do? So that's good to hear that. Okay. So we had this experience together where we were trying to put this deal together and it, it didn't work out. And we formed a strong enough bond there that he remembered you enough to reach out to you specifically a year later. So you definitely left a great impression. So that's yeah, awesome. I'm glad that you mentioned that example where you don't have to email them every week because he actually referenced getting an email from me every week because he subscribes to my newsletter. Yeah, And I think there's something to be said with that point because as the best ever listeners who are direct mailers know, it's not about sending a one-off direct mail piece then saying, okay, where's my deal? It's being top of mind with your audience whenever they're ready to make something happen. And therefore, we've got to stay front and center. And since I send out a weekly newsletter to people who subscribe to me, he receives that and he's like, yeah, I see you've been closing on deals. And then he mentioned this opportunity. So while you don't have to send them a weekly email, it certainly is helpful if they're opting into it versus you sending something saying, oh, hey, how you doing? Did you have a great weekend? It's like, shut up. You don't really care about their weekend. Like, What's the real point of your email? It's kind of a pet peeve of mine whenever someone emails me and they ask me like three questions and they actually get to their point. It's like, I'm not going to spend time. And they might genuinely be wondering how was my weekend and how am I doing? But I just don't like going back and forth on email and how I'm doing and how my weekend was because we got too much stuff to do. Like, exactly. let's, just, let's just get this business thing done. And then I'd love to jump on a call or have dinner or whatever. And let's like get real and say, hey, how are you doing? How was your weekend? But staying in touch with people in a way that they opt into it is going to be the best. And that's what happened there. And the newsletter actually compared to the, hey, how you doing, Joe? The newsletter actually adds value and it's summarizing advice from the week and typically have a video of you giving more advice. And so you're providing value as yep. well as reaching out to them weekly. Exactly. Cool. Another thing, switching gears a little bit, and we're going to come back to multifamily, but just in order of the notes that I have, <laughs> as best ever listeners, you'll know with this episode and in previous episodes, we have sponsors on the show. It helps make the podcast possible. I still lose money on the podcast overall when I factor in the team members and the sponsorship dollar and compare that with the sponsored dollars coming in. But from a long-term standpoint, it makes me money because of the relationships I build with the best ever listeners 
and the thought leadership that gets put out there, which helps me raise more money and buy more apartment buildings. But with the sponsorship, my team and I put together a monthly summary for AdWords Nerds, who is the current sponsor for the show, and setting up a call with Dan sometime in the next couple weeks and just going to go over the results that they've achieved so far and excited to have that call with him and, and see how things are going on his side with the best ever listeners and the free coaching session that he offers you. If you haven't taken him up on the free coaching session, then go do it. Go to adwordsnerds.com and then go get that coaching session or there's a link I'm sure in the show notes page you can do that. And then the other thing on the podcast note, September was actually the most daily download average I've achieved with this podcast since we started. And it was 4,800 and something. I can't remember the exact number per day. So we have almost 5,000 listeners per day listening to the podcast and really proud of those numbers. That's amazing, especially I'm sure when you were talking about how before it was just a couple of people watching. So 5,000 a day is very, very, very impressive. Especially well, kind of comparing it to my experience. I started my podcast four months ago and I probably get an average of maybe 20 per day. So just kind of just give the best of your listeners some perspective. <laughs> and a lot of it is just being consistent. So the longer you're in the game, the more you'll get that and doing some marketing tips and stuff, which you and I can talk about that on a separate podcast where we talk through how to grow your podcast. If you have a real estate investing podcast or want to create one, how to grow the listeners. Yeah, that'll be a good conversation for sure. Let's see. Now let's switch gears back to multifamily. And as I mentioned, you and I talked about last Friday, we closed on a 296-unit apartment community. I've had multiple people ask me, how many units did that put you at? And I, ha I hadn't counted, but I counted finally because I had been asked that by two or three people. And it is now 1,189 units that my company has under control. And that is $73 million worth of apartments. And then we are going to be closing on a 217 unit later in the month, which will, well, 217 plus 1,189, uh, whatever that number is. And that's going to be the new unit number. We're also in the process since it's beginning of the month, just a peek behind the curtains, best ever listeners, on asset management. What I do is by the 14th of every month, I send out an email to each of the investor groups for each of the deals that we have. And it summarizes what's going on at the property since we last reported back to them, which was a month ago, and any high-level updates or any granular updates that we have for example, on one of our properties, we had a fire. And I'm going to, by request, I am going to bring on my business partner and we're going to talk about what happens when you have a fire at a property and how to approach it. So I'm not going to get into that right now. But John, if you're listening, we will be getting into that. I already talked to my business partner, Frank, about that. We've already got a call set up to have that conversation so that you know, you meaning best ever listeners, know how do we approach it whenever a building burns down? What's the insurance process? Who do you talk to? And then where does it net out? But with these monthly updates, going back to the monthly updates, send them simply a MailChimp email, have the list already set up, 
MailChimp email and I put together what's the latest and greatest at the property. Then every quarter, send them the P&L statement and the current rent roll as well as a budget versus actual budget tracker document. That way they can see exactly where we're at and where we projected to be at that point in time and compare the two. So this month it is putting together the updates for those properties. There's five apartment communities doing that for. And then by this time next month, there will be six apartment communities that we will be doing that for. So looking forward to getting those updates sent to the investors. In regards to the fire, and this kind of piggybacks off what we were talking about earlier in regards to your confidence. I'm just wondering if this would have happened, let's say two years ago, would you have approached it with this exact same confidence that you do now? I guess the question is, would you have freaked out a lot more if it would have happened earlier on in your career? Whereas now it's like, I got the confidence to fix this. I know exactly what's going on. Well, I think that when people freak out, generally it's for fear or ignorance. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, because there's genuine times when you should be fearful. If someone's about to push you off a building, that's the time to be (laughs) fearful. So I think more to this, though, it would be ignorance because if I'm scared or fearful, then it doesn't really do anything. It's not productive. I don't think I would have freaked out. It's not in my nature, really. doesn't matter what happens to me. I just, I'm not a freak out type of person. I'm just kind of even kill. But I certainly wouldn't have been as assured of the response as I am now. And that just comes with time and, I mean, quite frankly, experience and doing interviews with people and having good business partners who have been there and done that. That's what I figured. And then uh, I guess uh, a second question on the 1,000 plus units. First of all, congratulations. That's super cool. And secondly, when you first started setting goals for what all you wanted to accomplish, would you say that hitting that number, is that something that exceeded your expectations or did you kind of already have set in stone plan? Like, oh yeah, I'm going to get a thousand units at this point and 10,000 at this point. I I actually have never looked at it from a unit standpoint. I've looked at it from a controlling a certain amount of dollars. I want to control a billion dollars of real estate by my 40th birthday I'm 34 years old right now. My birthday's in May, May 25th. So I've got five and a half years to go. That's the approach. So right now at 73 million and going to be approaching 100 million very soon. Do you have like some sort of, I guess, project plan set up for different targets? Like if I want to make a billion by my 40th birthday, I need to have 100 million by this year and then 250 by this year? Or is it kind of just... I need to do this every single day. If I do this every single day, then I should hit this number by my 40th birthday. I guess mindset-wise, how do you approach that? I think it boils down to having the right pieces in place. And those pieces are team members and tactics that I do and team members that I work with. So with the team members, I know that what my role is on the team, and that is marketing and equity primarily. And I know I have another team member, my business partner, Frank, 
whose primary responsibility is underwriting and asset management, as well as debt financing. So between the two of us, we find deals. I look for more off-market deals. He looks for more on-market deals. Therefore, it's not really a matter of us determining, okay, how many do we want to acquire in a certain period of time? It's more about what are the opportunities that are in front of us and then acting on those opportunities very quickly. So I'm confident we'll get to the billion-dollar mark in five and a half years. In one year, we've gotten to almost $100 million. And I think it's reasonable to assume that we can go faster in the future years than we did in year one. That's the approach that I take. And consistently, I know what I need to do on a consistent basis to fulfill my responsibilities of equity and marketing and investor relationships. And the podcast is one of them. And there are many others as well. But that's the approach that I take. I just know that if I do my job and my team members do their jobs, then we're going to end up at a really good place. I know we've talked about the importance of the team before, but I think you made a really good point there, especially the way you explained it, how, you know, me, Joe Fairless, I'm really good at task A, B, and C. So that's what I'm going to do. But I also know that in order to reach my goals, I have to somehow do D, E, and F. But I know I'm not good at D, E, and F. So let's find someone else who's really amazing at D, E, and F and needs someone to be good at A, B, C. And let's partner up together so that we can cover a lot more ground than having you having to struggle through something you're not good at and not being able to have as many opportunities because you're not covering as much, I guess, tasks as you would otherwise. So I think that's an important point to make in regards to the having a strong partner and team in general. Absolutely. All roads lead back to knowing what you're good at, having the right people to help support you in areas that you're not, and then doing things consistently. I think a lot of people might potentially struggle in that, I guess, arena if they're very controlling, like they have to be in control of everything. And this is definitely a business where I guess having that mindset could actually be a detriment. You know, being hyper controlling and being a perfectionist and wanting to do everything yourself. Because it gets to a point, and I'm sure you can speak on this a lot more than I can, that that is literally impossible. There's not enough time in the day for you to do every single thing. And so you have to be, you know, find and create trusting relationships with other people that have the same goals and same mindset as you, be willing to trust them to do what they have to do to help you achieve your goals. Absolutely. That's the name of the game. I believe we're all on the same team. And so it's just a matter of how do we need to recalibrate or reconfigure to make sure everyone's aligned if everyone isn't already aligned. Or similar to the podcast, just we're all trying to achieve some goal might not be the same exact goal, but it, in this case, has to do with real estate investing. And I am constantly focused on optimizing this podcast to help others achieve goals and for us all to learn and grow and experience things together. Well, I do want to mention before we take off, best ever listeners, do you live in Atlanta or are you around Atlanta? Because if you are then you have to go to this expo 
It's the Think Realty Expo. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be presenting the top 10 mistakes I've made as a multifamily syndicator. The ticket is only $45. It's October 15th, Think Realty Expo in Atlanta. Just go to thinkrealty.com forward slash events forward slash Atlanta. So think, T-H-I-N-K-R-E-A-L-T-Y.com forward slash events forward slash Atlanta. Or I'm sure you can just go to thinkrealty.com and then go find the Think Realty Expo. But it's 45 bucks, and there's a lot of speakers that uh, you'll get a lot of value from. But on top of that, there's a promo code that I've got. It's BEST, B-E-S-T, and you get 20% off. So you get 20% off. And additionally, on top of that, they are going to give you a free copy of my book. So my gosh, for what is that? $45, it's $9 off. You're going to get the free copy of my book and you're going to be able to go to this conference and then let me know if you are going. Email me info at joefairless.com and I'd be happy to get to know you and meet up and looking forward to seeing you there. So go to the Stink Realty event. It's October the 15th in Atlanta all day at Weston Buckhead, Atlanta. Looks like that's the hotel. So that's the wrap for today's episode, Best Ever Listeners. I hope you have just a wonderful weekend. Thank you for sharing your valuable time with us today. Really grateful for that. I hope this was a value to you, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Ever wanted to invest in real estate without the headache of tenants, property managers, and leaky toilets? Real Estate Equity Investment Group is an East Coast premier private investment fund where you can put your liquidity in experienced hands. Head over to realestateequity.com. That's realestate-equity.com.